0: The Holy Gospel for this Sunday is written in the Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. And Jesus said, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost. Except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. They are not of the world anymore. than I am of the world. My prayer is Here ends our reading. Please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I did not realize how important chapter 17 of the gospel according to St. John is. It is called Jesus' great priestly prayer. It is a prayer that Jesus prays to God. You know what it starts with? And Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and he begins this prayer. It is the prayer I've heard commentators say that is at the center of the universe. It is a prayer that Jesus continues to say in heaven today, even as we are assembled for worship here. That Jesus prays this, that he wants what's in these words. He wants us to experience a unity, the same kind of unity that Jesus experienced with God. Now that's not possible because we're human beings but it is possible that we can emulate it, that we can desire it, and that we can walk together with God and try to embody it. It's really hugely important. This is an important prayer. It is enormous, and especially this part of it is so important. And where, and you know, an amazing thing happened to me at the beginning of this week, and Leah knows about it. We were together, we were interviewing uh, um, a candidate for... Um, the minister of families' position, and we had talked. We had gone back and forth with asking questions that we thought we had to ask. Um, you know, being sort of good, good stewards, and then you know, after a, a period of time, um, I said, "Well, do you have any questions for me or us?" And the person said, "Yes, pastor, I do." I have a question for you." It's okay. What do you believe about the Bible? I said, that is an excellent question. That is an excellent question and this is what I want to share with you. That I believe that the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, that they are the inspired and they are the inerrant word of God. It is the only thing that Christians can look to when we struggle with issues of our faith and life. That's, it, it, we look at it, it tells us plainly what we need to do, and that's what the Bible is to me. And then she said, an, oh, oh, oops, and then the person said... Um, The person said, so what do you, like, how do you embody that? And I said, well, or what do you think, how does that affect your preaching? And I said, well... I I went to seminary, Lutheran seminary, and uh, we did at at times study Luther, and I said one of the greatest things that I learned from Martin Luther is that the the Holy Scriptures, when we look at them, they are law and gospel. They are a law. There are things that Jesus and God tells us, and we cannot do them by our own reason our strength, by our own power. We cannot do them. However, by the power of the Holy Spirit... That the, when we hear that gospel, that gospel takes that fear and trepidation away that we have when we realize that we cannot please God. And that is the essence of what it is to preach in accordance with the scripture. And this person said, good. <laughs> but it's important. You know, it used to be that in the Christian church, that what we'd have to do is to identify, you know, who were brothers and sisters in Christ was to, to, to make a fish in the sand. Because that, that showed Ixthus, you know, that we believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God. Well, today, that touchstone is what do you believe about the Bible? Tell me what you believe about the Bible. What is it that you use as a norm and faith in your life? Tell me what you believe, how you interpret it. And I had a friend of mine this week at the the prayer group say that he asked that of a cleric at one point, and they said, well, you know, I look at scripture, tradition, and reason. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not reasonable. Reason has nothing to do with it. Luther, our Reformation principle is this, that we come to understand the Bible, that we see its internal clarity, that we see that it's the interconnectedness of the Old and the New Testament, and that we see the word of God spoken in the, in the garden. We see the word of God spoken to Abraham. We see the word of God, sp- God spoken to the prophets, and, and, and that it comes to life, and it's enfleshed in history, and it comes to its most perfect fruition in the birth of in the life, in the ministry, in the suffering, in the death, and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those other promises that aren't fulfilled, that weren't fulfilled at the time that Jesus was there, they're begging and they're wanting to be fulfilled. And if you look at the book of Revelation and you can begin to see those Old Testament prophets' um, promises emerge in the language of Revelation and you see it not as a confusing book, but as a book that says, hey, if you think that what has happened in the past is, is incredible, just wait and see what lies ahead of you because everything that Jesus that God promised from the beginning is going to happen to you that you are going to participate in resurrection that you are going to participate in eternal life and that you are a part of the body of Christ and that you that you know that this this is real and, and in today's gospel lesson, Jesus says, and he, if, if anything, any scripture in the New Testament tells us that this Bible, that this holy Bible that we read from is, is the inerrant, inspired word of God, a revelation from God, then this prayer just says it. It it undergirds it. it. It makes us say it because Jesus speaks about a unity, establishing a unity between us that is equal, that has the characteristics, that emulates the unity between Jesus and God is the Word of God. Jesus is saying that it's the truth That it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And it's the, it's, the word of God is the only relevant thing in the world. It, has, it is at the center of the universe. It is embodied and brought to life by Jesus Christ. That's what this gospel says and how anyone could question it, or how anyone, and you know, we talked about this in the Bible study today, Revelation. You know, we talked about like breathe. Breathe is is a huge thing in the Old and the New Testament. If you look at the creation of human beings, what God breathes into the nostrils of Adam, and he becomes a human being. And then when you talk about, when when Paul is asked, what about the scriptures? What are they? He says they are God-breathed. And so when the scripture is breathed, when it's read and when it's heard and it comes into you and it comes, it catches your ears, it goes into your heart, it goes into your mind, it goes into your soul, it does something, it creates something. But I said, you know, the amazing thing is you go right back to the beginning of the Bible as soon as God breathes into Adam and then creates Eve, what's the first thing that happens and says, okay, you guys can do whatever you want in here. In fact, you can even eat from a tree of eternal life. But one thing don't do. Don't eat this particular fruit right here. Don't eat it. So the devil comes along and says, you know what? this is really fundamentally inconsistent with God's overall creative plan. I mean, you can eat anything, but this one thing, come on. You know, I'll tell you what, God doesn't want to hurt you. So here's the thing, God, just does, God is actually um, threatened by you having God-like qualities, He's not going to kill you. Eat it. Grow up. And they looked at it, and they said, you know, it makes sense to me. That's reasonable. And they ate it. And that's why we're in trouble today. So you see, what the devil convinced Eve of and Adam of was the word of God was not truth. What I want to say to you, what I believe with all my heart and my soul, is that it is the truth. it is the only thing that we can look at and 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 we can and we can take to heart and we can internalize i mean that 's what Jesus is saying, you know the whole thing in today's gospel lesson like in the middle in the middle of god of Christ's great priestly prayer to god here it is the son of god with his eyes up to his father in heaven is preaching and praying to his disciples and he talks about judas why why Be- well the reason is because he says it's to fulfill scripture. Now there's a guy in the Old Testament, and I, and this is a really a kind of a tongue twister, and um, let's see, I'm just going to say the name here if I can find it. (laughs) You know, isn't this wonderful? I had it, you know, here. Oh, Ahithophel. Anybody know who Ahithophel is? Okay, Ahithophel was a counselor to the King David. Ahithophel, the scripture says, Second Samuel 16 says, he had an ability to give advice that was second to none. It was like he was a counselor for God, and he was David's counselor and his really good friend, Ahithophel. And what happened was that David loved Ahithophel because he knew that if Ahithophel gave him advice, it was good advice. And if I say it 12 more times, then I'll get it, right? So, anyways, what happens is Absalom, David's firstborn, tries to take the throne and actually causes David to leave the palace and go into the country, leaving nine concubines in the palace. Those are secondary wives, concubines. So Ahithophel says, to, um, is now on Absalom's side. He's turned coat. okay? And he says to Absalom, you know what you have to do is you have to establish dominance over your father. So what we're going to do is pitch a tent on the roof of the palace, bring up the nine concubines, and everybody will know what you're doing with them. You'll know them in a carnal way, and that is a disrespect of your father and you assuming authority. And Absalom goes, Good idea. And he does it in front of all Israel. He violates the fourth commandment in front of all of Israel. Good, good counsel, huh? Next thing he does is say, Look, David is weak. Let me pick 12,000 guys that I really trust. We're going to go after David, and we're going to kill him. And then it will be in a state of upheaval, and you assume the throne, because you've already shown that you're stronger than your dad, that you would even take your dad's concubines. Everyone will be on your side. It's a plan that can't fail. But the interesting thing is that God sends one of David's friends who pretends to turn sides. His name is Hushi. Much easier to say, so you know he's got to be a good guy. Not a Hithophel. So anyways, he convinces Absalom. He appeals to Absalom's vanity. You know, with the long hair, right? He was very vain with the long hair. I went through my Absalom period too. (laughs) Anyways, um, So he, you know, he turns coat, and and then Absalom goes, well, I like your advice better than yours. And he follows Hushi's advice. And now Ahithophel is so disappointed, so angry, That he goes, he leaves, and he knows. He knows Absalom's toast. He's going to die, and I'm going to be a conspirator, and I'm in trouble. My life is ruined. So he goes home, sets his life, his affairs in order, and hangs himself. That was a foretaste of what was going to happen in the New Testament, Jesus is saying. Now watch it unfold. And Judas was... And remember, Jesus... David is the foretaste. Jesus is the actual. Ahithophel... Is the foretaste of Judas. But God doesn't stop... Jesus... From being killed. Because Jesus had to die to sanctify us. And Jesus is trying to say and you see that happened in the Old Testament this bad things happening in the in the Old Testament it's going to happen to me but you know there's good things in the Old Testament it's a good thing about the restoration of Israel it's about a new 12 a new patriarchs a new 12 tribes a new Israel that's going to grow and in this new Israel there's going to be Jews and Gentiles and there's going to be eternal life and there's going to be an eternal kingdom and there, and that devil is going to come along and that devil's going to try to convince you that the word of God is not the truth, but if you hang on to to the belief, and if you really believe that this Word of God is truth, that you are going to be sanctified, that you are going to be set apart, that you are going to be a shining city on the hillside, that you're going to be salt, and you're going to be light, and you're going to be bread, and you're going to be water, and you're going to be all of these things. If you take God's Word seriously, if you really believe it, And you know, Jesus' prayer was answered. Judas did his thing. Jesus did his thing. And then the disciples, as an answer to God's prayer, you know, sometimes the lectionary is amazing. It actually works. It actually puts things together. But today, just think about it. Everything that Jesus said happened, and in the end, the disciples, they took to heart. Jesus' prayer was answered when they said, we now are the new Israel. We now are the new creation of God. We now are the foundation, and there needs to be 12 of us. And we need to choose someone. And we're going to, and you know, remember I used this when we talked about who do we align with? You know, after the split? This was the text. This was the text. And, and Jesus, and the, and the whole thing was, there were 120 people that could have fit this mold. But it came down to two. And then in the end, it came down to saying, God, you know, Peter saying, God, you, only you know people's hearts. Only you know which of these two men, when they come with us, the twelve of us when we're together, that we can be the new Israel. Only you know that, God. And we have faith in you. And they cast lots. And the right thing happened. you know what scripture says? That this body of believers here today, we are built on that foundation. And God has given us a ministry of being disciples, and making disciples, and going out into the world, and being people, and believing that because we know the Bible, that we can do things differently. That we, that if you're a painter, or a plumber, or a lawyer, or a doctor, or a pastor, or a student, or anything, that if you really are sanctified by the truth, that you can be better. You can be better. You can be different. We can be, give glory to God that we can experience joy. And you know, that's another thing. Jesus says, I want you to experience joy. And you know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is transitory. When I saw there was no one in the lineup at you know the window, the drive-up, I was happy. <laughs> when I thought I was gonna get a ticket, I was sad. It changes by the circumstances, right? happiness, but joy. Joy is a supernatural, it is a God-given emotion that God puts in us that we experience this joy, this, this, this beautiful feeling in the face often of persecution and suffering. The joy that we are doing what God wants, that we are on God's side And we're doing God's work. And you know, Paul, he he ended up being, he was in Philippi. He was beaten. And I think it was, um, who was with him? Um, Maybe it was Barnabas. But the two of them were beaten. And they were locked in the innermost, in chains, and locked in the innermost part of the prison. And at night, what do they do? They pray and sing psalms. That's joy. That's what I want to experience. Even in the darkest times of our lives, that we can sing. Right? That's what we want even in the face of a bad diagnosis even in the face of a failure of a business even in the face of a failure in a family even of in the face of all of that that we can feel joy because we're doing what God wants that's what I want and I hope you want that too I pray you want that too. Because I can tell you that that's what Jesus wants for you. And he's praying that to God today. Amen.